Hey there, crafter with a full-time job. If you are looking for a way to make extra 10K in your sleep from SVG cut files in the next 12 months, I'm here to help. Sign up for my free masterclass below and get my secrets for a six-figure SVG business. Hello, everyone. How are you guys doing today? I am Jab, the founder of SVG Superstar Coaching Program, and I help crafters with a full-time job make extra 10K from SVG cut files. So today I will be interviewing an amazing, amazing lady. She talks about money and how to build your net worth and how to manage money. So she is a she's a millionaire. She became a millionaire in her early 30s. And I just love her story. She graduated from Harvard. She had a very high paying job and she also had a side hustle. So today I have invited her to share uh, to share her journey, to share why she started a side hustle, even though she had a she had a very high paying job and uh, how she, how she got into the side hustle thing and how she scaled her side hustle business to make 200k in five years. So it's going to be a very amazing and interesting chat today. So I am going to invite Shung and uh, we're going to get started. Hey, Hi. how are you? I'm good. Great to see you. Same here. Thank you for joining today. Thank you for taking your time out for today's amazing chat. I'm so looking forward to this. I'm so it's so excited and so nice to meet you for for actually the first time on uh, Instagram. Same <laughs> here. So, so I myself am in Melbourne and it is 12 p.m. on our side. What about you? Shannon? Yeah, it's a uh, 10 p.m. here in New York City. Oh wow! Nice, awesome. So you're in New York. I am. Yeah. Cool. So, Shung, tell us about yourself, a little introduction. Hi, everyone. This is Shung of Save My Sense. I am a working corporate mom, but in reality, both my husband and I are work optional, meaning that we finished saving and investing for a retirement in our 30s. And uh, we live, thank you, we live with our son, who is still having a little bit of trouble getting settled, um, and our two cats here in the heart of New York City. Oh, that is so adorable. And that is such an inspiring thing. Like you are work optional in your early 30s. I love that. Thank you. We'll be discussing how you got into it and how... You uh, somebody says we can't hear you guys. Is anyone else having that issue? Testing, is our people able to hear us? I think they were other people are able to hear us because I asked where you I where everyone is from and they were responding. So yep. maybe you can just okay. uh, restart your app or something. Thank yeah, you. for those who cannot hear, make sure that you have your audio turned on or Thanks for letting us know guys. Thank you so much. All right, so back to our topic. So the reason I invited Shang because I just love her story. The fact that she went to Harvard 
and then she got a really high paying job and she also started a side hustle doing wedding photography am i right yes, yes. So, so tell us about your time in harvard yeah um i didn't think that i could get in to be honest i was not actually the top of my class in high school i was near the top but not the top there were plenty of extremely talented i mean we had math olympians and science olympians who went to my high school it's definitely one of those super competitive ones and i always felt a little bit out of place growing up i was actually bullied a lot as a child for a couple of things one i was very short and i think americans just have this thing about picking on little people because you know they can't pick on people in their own size um second i was an immigrant so in the beginning, I didn't speak English as well, although I became fluent within six months. Mm -hmm. And I don't look American, but I do consider myself American. Um, another possible reason is that I actually was born with a birth defect. You can't really see it today. But when I was younger, my nose and my lips were a little bit more malformed. Um, and then I also spoke very softly at the time because it affected my lung capacity. So all of those things together just made me easy pickings for people. And I was a dork and I didn't wear nice clothing and all of that. But at Harvard, all of that disappeared. I felt like for the first time in my life, I was with my people. I was with people where being intelligent and working hard and debating things and asking questions and being curious wasn't looked down upon or thought of as being uncool. In fact, I felt pretty inadequate at Harvard too because gosh, everybody was just so smart. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really a place that pushed me to grow and find my own voice. Growing up, my parents pushed me really, really hard to achieve, but to what end? There wasn't um, a lot of meaning. They just wanted me to be financially successful, to be well-educated. But I think at Harvard, I found a better focus on having meaning in life yeah. and using my life to serve other people. Which is funny that I went to Harvard and I found this mission. People can't say that of all people that went to Harvard, but that's what I found. And I wanted to make it a mission in life that whatever I did, that it would impact people in a positive way. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I love that you were able to find your purpose over there. So what were, what subjects were you studying? I majored in economics. A Harvard person would say that we concentrated in economics. This is not called a major. It's called a concentration. <laughs> um, so I took mostly economics courses, a couple of um, statistics courses, and then we have our core curriculum that we need to round that out with. Um, and then I also went on to University of Chicago Booth School of Business to get my MBA a few years after that. And there I focused on entrepreneurship and marketing as my like majors, so to speak. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So, so right off where you completed your bachelor's, you got a job in I did. a very high paying job. That's what I learned from your story. So, well, um, it's not six figures when it first starts out. I mean, with inflation now, maybe it's six figures. But when I started, it was not six figures. I worked in the management consulting field starting out and um, my first job was working for a firm that uh, was primarily doing strategy consulting for just, you know, uh, consumer companies, healthcare companies, pharma companies, things like that. Uh -huh. So can you tell us what year was this in? 
Um, so I started working in 2007, right before the recession of 2008. Cool, cool. And uh, then you worked for four to five years? I worked, uh, I worked for three years. So I went to business school in 2010. I graduated from business school in 2012 and then went back to working after that. But I had my photography business throughout. So I never stopped working in my life. Oh, awesome. So when did you start with your photography business? Let's talk about that. Yeah, I photographed for fun in uh, college, made a lot of friends that way, but I didn't have my first paying client until 2008. That was the first time that I actually charged someone really to, awesome. to, for me to take their photos. Awesome. So you were, you were photographing all throughout your time in Harvard and everything. You were just practicing and learning. And having fun, really. Having fun. And then in 2008, you finally decided to put a price on it. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. And I priced myself way too low. I think my first client paid me $20 for a photo shoot. <laughs> Still money is money. <laughs> so, so why, why did you decide to go in, in that direction? Why did you think that even though you had a good job, and why did you think that it was important to have a side hustle? This podcast is sponsored by my Ivy League standard SVG business coaching program, SVG Superstar, where you not only learn to design SVGs, but also how to sell those designs to make money in your sleep. To learn more about my program, sign up for my free masterclass via the link in the description. I believe in having multiple incomes. I don't love the idea of relying on just one source of income my entire life. I knew since very young that you have flexibility in options. And so that was one reason. But the second reason that I think with being young, my job in management consulting is very analytic. So actually at, at that age, I'm mostly building financial forecast models. I'm analyzing large quantities of data. I'm analyzing uh, primary data. And so it's very like left-brained. And I knew that I had both left-brain and right-brain skills. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore my creativity and I had no outlet for it. Photography was something that I was just naturally good at. So I decided to channel my creativity there. I was like, if I'm really already a strategy consultant and telling other companies how to have a strategy, why don't I apply that and figure out how to run a company myself? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool, cool. I love that idea. So why did you uh, lean towards photography out of all? It was uh, on my 16th birthday, I asked my dad for his used film camera. It was from the 1980s. And I just told myself I was going to learn how to do photography. Uh -huh. And that was a film camera. My first couple roles all came out so poorly, but I taught myself. I took a few classes at school that taught me things like color correction, um, exposure correction, things like that. And it just took off from there. People said your photography is really good. And for me, if I want to make a side hustle out of something, it, I shouldn't start from ground zero. I need to start from a place where I already had some amount of expertise that I could develop over time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. I love that. So uh, you mentioned that you took classes. How important do you think taking classes is when you want to start side hustle or something? really depends on what you're trying to do. In photography, once you have enough grasp of the technical aspect of photography, the lighting, the framing, the posing, um, the phot photography itself, and then 
the aftermath where you are post-processing the images and putting it all together, that's not the hard part. The hard part of photography is the people and the business. Mm -hmm. Photography is primarily a business that is driven by marketing, sales, and being very client-focused because a wedding is a huge event in somebody's day. And if you F it up, people will remember you for a bad reason for the rest <laughs> of their lives. And so over time, I realized that once I had the technicality of photography down, it was more about intimately getting to know my clients as humans. And everybody had insecurities. It was wild. I had these gorgeous, gorgeous brides and grooms who would completely freeze up in front of the camera. And then I had people who you know, may not be as beautiful as some of the other brides and grooms, but loved getting their photos taken. Mm -hmm. And I realized that as a photographer, it was my role to bring out the beauty in their love. Mm -hmm. And if that love can be genuinely shown on a photograph, then I don't need to pose the couple. Yeah. I don't have to tell them, put your arm here and go like this. I'll give them a little direction, but it feels very true to life. And that's what I aimed for. Awesome. I love that. And a wedding is like something so intimate and you have to get it on point. Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah. So uh, I read in your stories that you made around 200K. So how long did it take you to get to that number? Yeah, so that's $200,000 in profits. I made a lot more in revenue. This is over a period of 10 years. Not all years were equally intense. Some years I didn't do a lot. Like the last four or five years, I already had moved to New York City and I was working a really busy job here at the time. So didn't do as much. Um, I think the years where I did the most amount of work was actually towards the beginning when I was getting established and just taking client after client after client. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say I didn't feel like it really hit my stride in the business about until about three to four years in was when I finally figured out, okay, something that truly worked and what my brand needed to stand for. And then it evolved. Had I not moved, I mean, during this time, I moved, I moved from Boston, Massachusetts, to Chicago, Illinois, to San Francisco, California, to New York, New York, during the time that I had this business. And photography, unfortunately, you have to build your reputation locally each time. Mm -hmm. So it's as if I was restarting the business three times in mm -hmm. the process. It was extremely painful each time to redo it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can understand. Like you are, you're, you start from building your report and then getting clients and then slowly going up. So it was like uh, a new curve every single time. Yep. I can understand. So what kept you going? Like a lot of people start a side hustle and they don't see any results and they give up immediately. So what kept you going? Yeah, I was always very business minded. So to me, anytime something went wrong, I never took it personally as in, oh, I failed. Rather, I saw it as this is a problem that can be solved. And I'm the kind of person who never gives up. So for example, when my prices were really low, I asked myself, how do I raise prices? And I just started doing it. And I learned a little bit about pricing strategy in photography. There's books out there that teach you this. So I learned that. Then the question was, well, how do you convince people to pay for the photographs? Because some people just want all the digitals for free. Now, the model has evolved over time. I learned how to sell both digital and physical products. Then there was the question of, well, then do you want a specific kind of clients. I didn't want every kind of wedding because the more you specialize and focus, the easier it is for you to convert 
clients as a paying clients because you're not out there trying to explain to people what you are about. All of those are business problems. And over time, I also looked at my margins. I was always focused on my um, my uh, gross margin. So just purely the cost of sales just for the, and in photography, it's time. So I measured the number of hours it took me for each shoot. And then I also did an operating margin where I assigned reasonably travel costs, assistant costs, um, costs of producing albums. Um, I had wedding portraits and engagement portraits and lifestyle portraits. So I knew my margins for each engagement. And I realized I can't let the margins get too out of whack because then otherwise one type of photo shoot becomes a lot more profitable per hour than another. And I typically price myself such that all of my offerings rendered about the same margin per hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you focused on your building your strategy and analyzing your business. Like you, you brought your work into somewhat like your business. <laughs> My analytic mindset. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that because uh, we have this problem. Like a lot of people, they just start in one month. They start this one month and two months on the see, Oh, nothing is working. Everything is crap. I'm going to give up and that's it that's the end of it. I'm going to look at something new. And they keep, they keep spinning this wheel, jumping from one side hustle to another, instead of focusing on and really looking into what's working and what's not working. So I love that point. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. So tell me uh, what kind of, like, uh, my audience is all creatives, crafters. We love crafting, paper crafting, this crafting, that crafting. So tell, can you tell us like what kind of side hustle should people choose? I have three rules when it comes to a side hustle. Rule number one, something that you're good at. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to be the best in the world, but something that you do moderately well. Number two, something that people will pay for. Mm-hmm. And number three, you're going to make it profitable. I've seen a lot of people, and I, I ran a small business contest um, a while ago. Sometimes as part of my giveaways, I help fund small businesses um, from Save My Sense. And a lot of people submitted proposals for businesses that they want to start. They're like, oh, I want to sell this item. I want to sell that item. I'm like, the market is saturated, absolutely saturated with what you're trying to sell. How are you going to differentiate yourself? Mm-hmm. And so understanding that you truly have to meet a pain point, something that people feel so much enough pain that they're willing to pay for it. Wedding photography is not something that you can easily do on your own. It truly takes skill. So as a creative, you cannot, if you decide to make money off of your creativity, you almost have to not treat it like an art, which I understand for people who are very creative. It's very hard to think that way. I come from a more analytic mindset. So I never saw myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. I never saw myself as a photographer. I saw myself as a business person who happens to have photography as a skill. And when you remove that emotion from your artwork, from your creativity, you're able to look at the side hustle more objectively, which is you want a side hustle because you want to make money. If you're not making money, it's a hobby. I love that point. I, I love that you raised that point because a lot of people I come across, they say, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm creative. I'm not an artist. Am I even going to succeed? I'm not an artist. This is a question that a lot of people have. So I love that you shared that point and remove the emotion and look at it 
as a business as a from the business perspective like you are a you're here to make money and that's what you're going to do so thanks for sharing that <laughs> yeah it's a it's um sometimes i think it comes across as a little bit harsh when i say something like that when i say you know if you're side hustle doesn't make money it's a hobby but at the end of the day money's not a bad thing to me money is a tool and you can use money in really good ways to affect change so if it is your goal to bring more money into your life your family's life then do it properly do it like a business and also recognize running businesses is hard work there's a reason the majority of the people in the world are not business owners business owners are a minority because it takes multiple skill sets to do something really well yeah so so can you tell us a little bit more about the importance of having multiple incomes yeah i started working right before the great recession so literally the next year i saw my friends with job offers from lehman brothers and other really famous investment banks fall through literally they were like oh i had a job offer i stopped looking for a job and then now suddenly i'm unemployed and it, having also seen that at my own workplace during the recession not all of us had projects and i was very lucky that i did actively have projects mm-hmm. i realized the younger you are the more replaceable you are until you develop expertise and um you know expertise and uh and having experience you're just another body in a seat and this is just me being knowing the harsh reality of the world and so i realized that i wanted to have a backup and maybe another backup of a backup and mm-hmm. so photography was my first backup and now there are other ways and i know how to make money i invest i have other skills that i could contract out if i really wanted to and that means that you don't put all of your eggs in one basket exactly. and i treat my entire life like an investment not just my investments but everything my life my time my resources if you put everything into one thing you're putting in a lot of risk and when it comes to my income i don't want it to be that risky that is so true like we need to have some sort of backup because a lot of people like when the pandemic hit a lot of people lost their jobs and didn't have anything to fall back some sort of financial cushion uh, yeah. and and a lot of people come to me when they lose their job and they say that oh can you please help us we want to start a business and uh, but we don't have money to pay for to pay you we don't have money to pay for the coaching and i'm like you should be thinking about starting a business before you lost your job before you fell into this crisis because it's it shouldn't be an afterthought it should be something you are working on side by side yeah if you are starting a business out of necessity it's the most risk that you can ever take on in your life i mean i know people who have done it but again the people who succeed under those circumstances are truly the minority um people get so afraid of investing their money in the stock market i said actually investing money in the stock market is a lot less risky than starting your own business and putting your life savings into it I've seen so many people where they come back to me with 300 400,000 of debt because their businesses went under. Mm-hmm. So true. So I uh, I love that we are having this chat. So can you tell us 
three tips for women who want to start a successful side hustle? Yeah. Um, study the market, like get a really good sense for what the competition is already doing and how your product, your service, your offering is going to be different than the rest of the market. Number two, know your customer. Businesses that are successful understand who their target customer profile or multiple target customer profiles, you can have more than one, what they look like, what their pain points are, how they want to feel when they purchase your product or your service and their pricing sensitivity when it comes to whatever you offer. And number three, once you figure out sort of your market fit, what you want your product to be, learn how to sell. Learn how to sell yourself, sell your idea, sell your product, sell your service, because at the end of the day, you can't make money without marketing. And sales is not necessarily a dirty word. Sales can mean a meaningful conversation where you're listening to your customer, asking them what is it that is keeping them up that, at night, and then saying, I have a solution for you. That's the best kind of sale it is, because it's not, it's not like too oily. It's not pushing somebody to buy something. It's offering them what they need. So true. So you said learn to sell. So why do we have to learn to sell? Because it's, it's not going to be a natural skill for most people. And many people think of sale, selling or the art of selling in a completely wrong way because they think that they have to take on this very extroverted personality. Hey, clap you on the back. Let's go grab a beer and I, let's go golfing. That's one way to sell. But there are many ways to truly sell. And you have to convince the other party that your product or your service should be the one that they should buy over the competition or over other alternatives, right? Because I often tell a lot of people, the content, the courses, the coaching that I now offer as Save My Sense, so this is not wedding photography, I do make money through Save My Sense, but I donate it all. They can get it for free. If you put in enough time and you Google enough and you are motivated enough to build your own spreadsheets, you can basically have the same financial education that I gave to myself over the period of 10 years. Mm -hmm. But the value, the value that I offer in my coaching and courses is that I give it to you condensed in plain English, often under two to three hours of time. And that's the value that people pay for. Exactly. I love that point. Because a lot of people come to me and why is this? Why do you have a price on this coaching program? Girl, this is my work from past eight to 10 years that I am putting in one condensed form and making it easy for you to understand. Exactly. Exactly. You have value and you just have to communicate it. That's what selling is. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that. And can you tell us more about your courses? Um, sure thing. So my current Instagram handle, Save My Sense, I teach and inspire people to change their lives one cent at a time. And I do it through a combination of solid math, um, a really good solid understanding of the very uh, complex tax structure in the United States. So I, I focus on the United States. It's very difficult to learn other countries. And on top of that, I have a focus on behavioral psychology and mental health. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not that the people who are the best at math are the best at personal finance. It's actually all about mindset and resetting your childhood traumas, deciding to create boundaries, deciding to address your mental health. And so there's an element of acknowledging how important mental health is in all of my courses. I do private coaching where I help people get out of debt or estimate how much they need to retire. And in my two main courses, one is called Save My Retirement Masterclass, where over three hours of videos, I teach people what I learned uh, in 15 years on how to retire. Um, a second course is called Five Weeks to Abundance. It's only offered about once or twice a year. It's based on behavioral psychology, where I literally teach people to rewire their habits to get better at saving and reaching their goals. And then recently, I launched a negotiations workshop as well. So now I have uh, three main courses that I provide. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. So if anybody wants to learn how to get out of debt and how to start building their retirement plan, Save My Sense, Shen from Save My Sense is the place to go. I love her story. Lastly, if you're looking for a way to make extra 10K in your sleep so you can cut down your hours to spend more time with your kids, sign up for my free masterclass via the link in description. Bye-bye.